This is Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on Farmer's Kitchen, brought to you by Spinneys as we talk food, glorious food. What are the gadgets that you love in the kitchen? What are the ones that have been gathering dust? Dinesh Kanyalwala from Tech Radar Middle East was on hand to talk about the fails and the big successes of the gadgets that we actually use. Chef Akmal Anubar is the man behind literally the hottest restaurant in Dubai. Eleven Woodfire opened just this week and it's all about the flame. So what's on the menu? He was explaining more. And Tiffany Eslick from Spinney's Magazine joined us live to talk about some of the food combinations that work in terms of flavour but also supercharge your superfoods. And you are sharing some of the weird and wonderful food combos that you've tried. (laughs) And they were quite bizarre. And we love food for good. Speaking to the team behind the Dubai Oyster Project, from the main man at the main restaurant to the Emirates Marine Environment Group, plus a local school, the Dubai Oyster Project is using discarded oyster shells to help marine life. We were explaining how exactly that's going to work. And with this brand new weekend, Saturday, Sunday for 2022, what impact do we expect to have that on the restaurant industry? We were speaking to the founder of Gates Hospitality, named Madad, about what he expects. Are you going to a Saturday brunch this weekend? You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking food gadgets this afternoon, I'm keen to get your take on this. What are the ones that are actually useful in the kitchen and which ones are gathering dust? To talk about the best and maybe a few fails as well, we have got our gadget guy live on the line. Dinesh Kalyanuala is the executive editor at Tech Radar Middle East. Dinesh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Sir Helen. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, day day seven. It's it's all it's all right. I've I've had better starts to the year. Looking at you, distance learning, but uh, <laughs> but overall, not bad. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, and I'm talking to you. So I'm I'm in a good place now. Speaking about gadgets, I had a number of messages on 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 this already. We've had apple slicer is the most useful. Zester not used so much. Blender from Swether's her her best, and the worst is the Nutri Bullet. Are you a fan of of uh, gadgets in the kitchen? What are your, some of your faves? Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm a sucker for, um, you know, the, the guys who stand at stores and, yes. and show you those, those crazy things. They're like, look how fast we can chop an onion. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I want this now. So, yeah, I had, I had fallen for an onion chopper that broke halfway through the first onion. Oh, devoured. Well, <laughs> I, I have to say, I discovered the kind of the late night shopping channels when I was on holiday as a kid. And it was things like, look at this knife that can cut through a shoe. And I was like, I need it. <laughs> I must have it. Um, we we don't have a lot. We've got, the, I have to say, we use the air fryer quite a lot. Yep. And since Finish Swether saying she doesn't like the Nutribullet, mine is like a Nutribullet blender and it is an animal. I use it every single morning for like an, for an ice smoothie. But my favourite, um, because I love making pancakes, we've got like a specific pancake griddle. So you plug it in right. and it's like a hot plate with round you know spaces i guess for for pancakes we use it at least once a week i absolutely love it um on the not so amazing front my husband went through a very very dedicated phase of juicing for about 10 days (laughs) (laughs) and the juicer he got is enormous and takes up half a cupboard (laughs) what about what about the fails is there anything that you apart from the onion chopper that you've bought even at great expense and thought you know what that just was not worth the money so one thing we did buy was um, we bought a, um, what do you call those? Like, similar to a waffle maker, 
but um, the, the the part that sold me on it was that it was a three-in-one. So it uh, did your grilling if you had like a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, it had these separate plates. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Those plates, by the that way, was... that, that will burn your fingers off if you try and remove <laughs> them when they're even like lukewarm. Those ones? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I ended up having to buy a uh, tong just to remove the plates <laughs> when I needed it. Glad it's not just me. Glad <laughs> it's not just me. Now... Uh, there are some cra- there is some crazy stuff around. I mean, I'd say ice cream makers and bread makers tend to be the ones that people will spend quite a lot of money on and then never never really use. What about some of the other fails? Um, have you seen anything around? And we don't want to name and shame on the brand so, front, but anything that you think is like that is just ridiculous. So one thing one thing I did see was uh, a little gadget to count eggs. What? So you put the eggs, you put the eggs inside, and um, it lets you know how many eggs you put inside. What? Um, and but this is this is like so. This is so. When I open my fridge, for example, we've got the little gaps on in the door where you yeah. put your eggs. So it would just be yeah. there, and it would tell you yeah. how many eggs you've got. Whereas you could yep. look at it, which I believe you can. <laughs> you can use your very own eyes to count how many eggs you've got. Correct. Yep, 100%, 100%. Oh, man alive. But... Right, well, we're going to be talking about some that might be worth your hard-earned dirhams next. Love to hear yours. What's working for you? What have you spent money on and regretted almost instantly? Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Talking to our gadget guy, Dinesh is with us. Let us know the kitchen gadgets that have really worked for you and the ones that are simply gathering dust. Um, are there any in the near future or recent ones that have been kind of lauded by critics and users alike, Dinesh? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> well, the, the one thing that I did see all of last year was, um, you know, the Nutricook one, the one that, um, like, cooks yeah, everything. Yeah, like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, it cooked everything. It has custom modes and stuff like that. That was one that I had seen. Um, I'd heard a few good things about it, but I haven't used it myself. One disaster that I did remember while you were on the ad break, which I had, and I don't know if you remember this, it was all over like Facebook when Facebook was popular. <laughs> but I had that, uh, it was available at Virgin. It was a fork where you, if you're eating noodles or, or spaghetti, and you press the button and then it spun for you so that you didn't have to spin <gasps> yeah. your... I mean, there's lazy and then there's lazy. It, it does remind me, and thinking this might be one of the original gadgets, is my nana. So when I was little, maybe when I was kind of eight, she would have a teas maid. Did you ever, did you ever, have you ever heard of a teas maid? No. Okay, so the, what this did was, I don't know if you'd press a button or if you'd program it, but it would wake you up with a cup of tea or coffee and it had an alarm clock attached to it. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, the late 80s, uh, scalding water next to where you sleep. What could go wrong? Um, But I was talking to my colleague um, Dale about this earlier, and he was saying that he really wants to get a smart kettle. So when he gets up early to do the news shift, you know, wakes up at half past three, four o'clock, he can program it to his phone and say, you know, this is the coffee. This is, you know, I want the hot water to be ready for, you know, 3.45. So it's a good idea, right? Smart, smart. Um, smart anything everywhere. I'm always in support. Now, there has been one gadget that I have kind of had my eye on for a while, which is the fridge with the window in it, because I am that person where (laughs) I'll go to my fridge, you know, eight times an hour, hoping that somehow it's been magically replenished, (laughs) that there's going to be something in there that I hadn't noticed the previous (laughs) seven times. And I think it's, um, I think actually quite a lot of companies do it. I've definitely seen one from LG where um, it's, and it's also 
you know, understandably good for the environment too, because you're not opening up your fridge the whole time and the, co- the cold air getting out. It's probably prohibitively expensive. So it is. So it's 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 called their knock knock fridge. Well, you know why? Because you knock on the glass, and from a dark tint, it goes to a light tint, and you can look inside. But to add to that point, it is also one of their smart refrigerators, and like you wanted, it can tell you what's inside. And uh, not in our region, but in some parts of the world, it can even place an order on Amazon for you. <gasps> that's actually very cool because that's the thing about you know. Is this the egg counter to the extreme where it goes, you know, you've run out of, you know, you've run out of your Diet Coke, so you add it automatically to a shopping list you've got in your phone? Yeah. I mean, th- when you think about smart homes here in the region, it's Dubai. We mm-hmm. love things quite high spec. I do mm-hmm. wonder, you know, are people living with living with kind of incredible luxury and gadgets that we can only dream of? I saw um, something on, it was on Instagram last night. It was talking about, this is my parents' renovation. And some of the details they'd done, they had a vacuum hose that came out of the wall. Yeah. I saw the video too, yeah. How cool was that? They had drawers that had plugs in the back for your hair dryer and your, you know, your hair straighteners. Um, it, was, it was epic. It just goes to show, you know, if you've, got, if you've got some serious money, you can make life seriously comfortable. The, 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 this is the one thing I always tell people as far as tech is concerned. When it's your everyday average tech, we always get it a little late because we're a much smaller audience here in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. But when it is the ridiculous stuff, when it's a 30,000 dirham fridge or a 300,000 dirham TV, oh. it's here first. It's always <laughs> here first. I'm kind of proud, I guess. Kind of. <laughs> now, the one home gadget, I don't know if we can classify as a gadget, but you know, when I make my millions slash billions, if I haven't got a bookcase that turns into like a hidden staircase when you turn it... 100%. It's hundred percent. I I would if I if I was into you know setting intentions and mood boards and goals for the future. That's what I want. If you if you're listening now, if you're listening now and you're building a house, you're customizing a house, you've got lots of zeros in the bank and you haven't got a bookcase that turns into a secret room, you're doing yeah. it wrong. Your, your money's absolutely wasted. Absolutely. <laughs> I I literally a, a a week ago I was sitting with my partner and I was like, okay, if we ever build a house. The one thing we will have is a, a bookcase or a library or a wall that spins and becomes something else. Like it has to happen. I, well, I, there's, there is that ad, the, the not the original Adams family, but the Adams family that I grew up with, and they, you know, and, and then it becomes like this fireman's pole that you drop down into a basement. I'm like, right, this is this is what we're working towards, Nash. Okay, we're putting out on radio Done b- deal. before on the, on the bucket list hidden bookcase, staircase, room situation. So Nesh, we've run out of time. Um, I haven't run out of questions. I know we've got lots to talk about on the gadget front. We'd love to have you back because we've been, there's lots happening, of course, in the next uh, in the next few months. There's things in the news as yep. well, from a colour-changing car to, you know how I feel about folding tech, a laptop now. What I feel like, starting to feel personal now. That's all I'm going to say. So Nesh, where can people check out you and your reviews uh, on Tech Radar and, of course, on your own channels too? Yep, my my personal page is Dantox, D-A-A-N-T-A-L-K-S. You are a star. Wishing you a wonderful 2022. Thank you for your gadget Thank chat you. and we'd love to speak to you soon. Danesh, speaking to us there. 
You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. It is Friday and it's all about food this afternoon. In conversation now with the man behind quite literally the hottest restaurant in town. It's all about fire at 11 Woodfire and the man behind it is Singaporean chef and restaurateur Akmal Anur. Thank you, chef, for joining us today, especially on a Friday. I know it's always a busy service. Um, huge congratulations on 11 Woodfire. How many days has it been open now? Uh, thank you, Helen, for having me. Uh, it's on our sixth day now. Oh. So we, start, we started breakfast today. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a hustle today. Good. Well, huge congrats. I mean, I feel like you don't need any introduction, but for anyone who's not familiar, Singaporean-born bread, parents were hawkers, you've worked all over the world coming to Dubai 2013. Three fills is really where I first became familiar with your work. You also have Goldfish, you've got a restaurant consultancy and Eleven Woodfire is is the latest in the portfolio. Um, Chef, can I ask you a little bit about the inspiration behind it? I said it's the, the hottest restaurant in town. It is all about fire. Why, why put the focus on that ingredient, I guess? So I, I had this dream or idea to have a, a restaurant that does natural cooking and, and superiority of uh, ingredients maybe four or five years back. Uh, I did. I never found a place. I never found an, an, an a venue, you know, to 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 do this. And then one day during pandemic, I, I was driving around. I saw this nice villa, this nice big mansion. Man, it feels like home. It looks like my trip. I went to south of Spain, Andalusia. So it just it just gelled together. It's an amazing spot. It's just off Beach Road, kind of between. Down, down a little road between Mercato and Town Centre, and it's a big space. How many covers are you doing? Uh, in total, we can do about two, two ten, two twenty people. Uh, indoors, we see, yeah, indoors we sit about ninety, ninety-five. Yeah, big space, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest I've, I've, I've opened. But I'm all excited. You know, all, all my restaurants have been doing all small and cute and dainty. Mm-hmm. This, this, this time, you know, time to play the English Premier League, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a big space, and when I went the other night, it was busy. You've got a really lo- like a loyal clientele um, here in Dubai. Do people tend to follow you wherever you go? You know, I, I'm very blessed. You know, Dubai has been very kind to me. People has been supporting me. You know, I, I get the same people coming to all my new openings, supporting me, whether it's Dubai, Sharjah. You know, very, very blessed. I, I, I cannot thank Thank God, thank all these people you know, for all this uh, great, great, great support. Chef, it's time to make us hungry. Can you explain a little bit about the menu at Eleven Woodfire? What's on there? Eleven menu is not your typical uh, restaurant menu where you have starters, appetizers, uh, main course. It's really about what you feel like eating that day. So the, the, the menu is, is uh, based around five elements. Equilibrium, Ocean Bounty, Heartland, uh, uh, Lasting Memory, and Botanic Kingdom. So let's say today you feel like, oh, I feel like having seafood only. Yeah, go to the seafood section, just pick any seafood and pair it with one vegetable. So it's more like, you know, custom, your own custom design menu for that day. I don't want, I don't want it to be structured in a way that it has to be as, as following as any other restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's really about having yourself enjoy what you feel like having that day i think that gives a freedom for guests to eat healthy or they want something heavy they want something light or they want something you know uh together with a family or can they can have it alone 
I think that's really well put, actually, because it has got this kind of pick and mix fluid approach to it if you wanted to come in and have I mean I had the the leeks which were amazing and that could be a starter in itself it could be a side it could be a vegetarian main with with another um the sea bass was amazing but you've also got a burger on there you've got your wagyu you've got your lobster you're catering to that kind of really um high-end taste but there's also kind of snacky nibbles too how do you even begin to conceptualize a menu can you talk us through the process of you know, you have this idea in mind, you find the space, and then you need to start populating what's actually going to be coming out of that open kitchen. What do you start with? I, I, I always start with the menu. You know, the, this menu have been in my in my note for probably three years ago. I have, I've written this down, you know. I've, I've visualized this back then. You know, I go to restaurants and I say, oh, sea bars, it comes with broccoli and this. You know, I don't want this. Today I feel like having with corn. So I can I can choose my what I want to eat my sivas with. People don't celebrate vegetable enough here. It's always really bad tasting vegetable dish. You know, it's so dry. <laughs> there's no it's too much leaves. It's too much kale. You know, uh, too much black uh, bell peppers. You know, I want to do vegetables that people forget. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's no waste. You know, everything comes back to the same dish. Everybody, everything goes into the fire. You know, very light seasoning, olive oil, uh, herbs, and that's it. Can we talk about the fire? Because I feel like, I, I used the word ingredient before, and I, I do actually mean that, because flame really is the basis of all cooking in all cultures, you know, of course, going back to the beginning of time. How on earth, as a chef, do you, and it's a huge fire you have there, how on earth do you have that control and consistency over a really, well, wild thing? Uh, it's a very difficult uh, technique or craft to 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 execute this uh, wood fire cooking. You know, there is no way you can control fire. Uh, wood fire burns like crazy, and there is no way you can control the heat. So it keeps burning, it keeps high temperature. So we have to adjust to the fire, not the fire adjust to us. Unlike like gas, you control the gas to what we want to cook. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's all about, you know, feeling. It's all about, uh, you know, you're using your senses, your smell. Uh, your touch, uh, visual. You see the, the color of the fish. Is it ready? Or not you, you, you elevate the the meat higher so it doesn't touches too much fire, and then you bring it down you, to get that strong char. So it's all about you know making all my cooks and chefs cook like real. You know, it's no longer uh, oven or technology. It's all back to maybe what five hundred years ago, maybe more, mm-hmm. in how people cook. Back to basics, and but but far from basic food, um, chef. You've become so successful here in Dubai. As I said, you've started your consultancy, and you're working with restaurants and companies all over the world. But I saw you in the kitchen the other night, which was wonderful. How how often do you get to actually cook? You know, as you have become more successful, and you know, I used the word restaurateur before. You know, how how much how how are you able to to spread your time around? <laughs> I don't know. I... <laughs> I love to cook, you know, I love to be close to my team members, you know, I, I always see them, I always give them motivation. The thing is, passion alone is not enough, you know, you need to have endurance, you need to love the job, you know, I, I never I never think about money or I never think about being successful, I just I just do it, you know. Uh, I, I try to be, I try to raise the bar, I try to always, uh, you know, push my guys, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Dubai needs this, uh, we need to elevate. Uh, we need to train more people. We need to 
become better in this industry. Can I ask you, and I, I think we all thought two years ago that we'd be through the pandemic now, but it, it still, unfortunately, is a very big part of our lives. What's it like opening a restaurant under such circumstances where uncertainty is the only certain thing? I think I don't want to think about that too much. Uh, it, it, it makes you depressed, you know. So uh, I think what what I go through with my life and, and all my projects, I just I just take it one step at a time. I don't think about the three-year, five-year vision. I just think about, okay, what's, what, what can we do in three months? What can we do in six months? Mm-hmm. What happens in one year? Mm-hmm. I think take, take things like that. I think it, it, it makes you move. Mm-hmm. And, you know, huge challenges, of course, but huge opportunity as well, you know, to, to really listen to what your customers want. And what can we come back for the food? And I don't want to ask you, you know, your favorite... I don't want to ask you your favourites from the menu, but what are some of the the hero dishes on on the menu at Eleven Woodfire? Uh, we definitely uh, do well with our turbot. Uh, our turbot is one of our bestseller. People go crazy for that. I don't see any anyone in uh, Dubai having that in the menu. Uh, and so also our vegetable. People love vegetable. People finally get to eat tasty warm, hot, good-flavoured vegetables. I love that because we think about fire and we think about steak, but you're giving the fish and, some, and the veggies the attention that they, that they deserve. Thank yeah, exactly. Because, because, because people think of fire, mm-hmm. they, they relate it to steak, they relate it to beef, they relate it to lamb. But people don't, don't do enough seafood. People don't use seafood as a base for wood fire. Like we do clams, you know, we do octopus and all that. And it, it tastes great, you know, because it, 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 you get that smokiness out of seafood. It's amazing. Chef, as well, I would love to ask you about the name. Can, I mean, the wood fire is pretty self-explanatory when you walk in and you see the fire. What's the 11 about? Tell us about the, about the branding. The, the villa we took over uh, is number 11. Oh. Uh, and also my name is Akmal uh, A., and my my business partner is uh, Ahmas A also. So we have two A's in translation of Arabic is Alif Alif. So it's eleven too. So I'm... it's, it's like, yeah. I love this. It's it is. It's personal. Chef, I know you've got a very busy service ahead of you today, and I just want to say again, huge congratulations. The touches that you've put in are just beautiful. You've got a tea trolley that comes around with fresh herbs and leaves and spices and fruits. Um, I was very excited to tell my husband you've got his favourite zero alcohol beer on the menu, the uh, Beer des Amis. And and breakfast starting soon. Is that opening over the weekend? Yeah, breakfast starts Friday, Saturday, Sunday. uh, And we close on Mondays. So yeah, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, lunch and dinner. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Okay, last chance to make me hungry. What What's on the breakfast menu and uh, what can we look forward to? So breakfast, we have a big platter called 11 Slayer Breakfast. Uh, we have beef, bacon, we have homemade sausage, we have asparagus, we have mushrooms, uh, sun-dried tomato. Uh, we have beef cheeks, uh, egg benedict. Yeah, uh, We have a French toast that looks like a slider but with an egg inside. So, yeah, very, 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 very rich, heavy stuff. Love it. I love it. Outside space, right on the beach road. Chef, thank you so much for joining us. Chef Akmal, 11 Woodfire is open now. Get back into the kitchen. You've got people to feed. Take care of yourself and have a lovely weekend.
You too. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you so much. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. We are talking food. Delighted to be joined on the line by Tiffany Eslick from Spinney's. She is the woman behind the, all the creatives you'll see in the magazine and beyond. And we're sharing some recipes and some crazy combinations as well. How to get the most out of your superfood. So, Pudin, before I let you get back to your emails, tell me. I know. Tell me what, what foods you have put together it, in your mind successfully in the past. Okay, Tiffany's going to think I'm crazy as well, mm-hmm. because you did. So when I was younger, I don't know how I discovered this. I've shared it ages ago on the radio. Everyone felt sick, but it is hot Weetabix. And then I used to get hot cheese, you know, hot cheese on toast mm-hmm. and dip it in the hot Weetabix. Ugh. Yes. And before you say anything... Get in the scene. Let's, it's wrong. Let's break this down. It's all made out of the same thing. Wheat, milk, cheese, bread, Weetabix. No. <laughs> How did you discover this? I it don't fe- know. It feels like you were like clearing a table and it all just ended up in the same bowl and you decided to eat it. It's, it's like, it was like a comfort food for me. I haven't had it for ages because it hasn't been cold, but because of the rain, I should have really gone back to no, it. No, no. <laughs> don't do it. Right. Can you beat Poonam's? I want to hear about your fa- favourite crazy food combinations. 4001. Miranda saying turkey, ham and watermelon. Finn has brown butter toast sprinkled with brown sugar, then sprinkled with salt. The taste is amazing. Okay, I can get on board with that more than cheese on toast with Weetabix. <laughs> Tiffany, the world's gone mad. What do you think of Poonam's? <laughs> I think that sounds dreadful. Dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> yep, couldn't agree more. Poonam, defend I, yourself. Can I just say, Tiffany, Helen... Until you try it, you cannot comment. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Yeah, I can safely say okay. I'm never going to try that. <laughs> Tiffany, any any combinations you've had over your life? Were you know how some families have like weird signature dishes, and then you think it's normal until you get into the wider world, and you're like, oh, other people don't do that. Anything that you've found to, to work well that really shouldn't. Um, no, but you know, my mother eats pineapple, like fresh, cold cut pineapple slices on bread, which I think is super weird. weird. But she, she also swears by like, you know, she's like, you need to try it. I'm like, I absolutely can't have those two textures mixing together. See, that's the Um, thing, like, it's a a texture thing. And this is going to sound really weird. I've got this kind of... Not like a hang-up about food, but I don't like the idea, this is going to sound so strange, of like clear and cloudy foods being together. So you know how a, a kids, you'd have like ice cream and jelly? So Okay, so to me, ice cream is a cloudy food and jelly is a clear food, so they shouldn't go to... Okay, I'm sorry, it's sounding weird. I'm, I'm going to stop talking. Um, Mohammed saying hummus and ketchup. Every chance I get at the Lebanese restaurant. Mohammed, um, I tell you what, I, I would put ketchup on absolutely everything. You get zero judgment from me on that. Um, so, Tiffany, we're talking about this because actually pairing different ingredients can be beneficial in terms of boosting the nutritional aspect of a meal. And up next, we're going to talk about some combinations you've got in the latest issue to really like supercharge some super foods. Tiffany Essick is with us this afternoon from Spinney's as we're going between the pages under the sheets um, and sharing some recipes, some inspiration, stuff you've been trying this weekend. And let me know the crazy food combinations in your life that people look at you a bit strangely for, but you don't care because it tastes so good. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm kind of regretting asking the question about your crazy food combinations. You're not disappointing. Philip says, my daughter eats Compte and Nutella on bread. Tiffany, you're a foodie. Cheese and Nutella, should it work? 
Well, I mean, those are two things that I like. So Put those yeah, hands why not? together. <laughs> Bassam um, yeah. adds cinnamon to um, omelets um, in addition to salt and pepper. Uh, Jumana has an egg salad sandwich with turkey, ketchup, carrots, and cucumbers. It was going so well until you chucked the ketchup in there, Jumana. What about you? Your crazy food combinations. They shouldn't work, but they just do. I was going to say it's a judgment-free zone, but sometimes I just can't help myself. Um, We are talking about how pairing different ingredients, Tiffany, is really beneficial. In the latest Spinney's magazine, you're talking about supercharging the superfoods. So tell us about some of the combinations that we could be trying. Yeah. So, you know, when we were thinking about this idea, we when we put the recipes to the recipe developer, um, my deputy editor, Karen, had actually read a really interesting article about this whole food synergy and what works. And it was fascinating. So... We would, you know, just to try and narrow it down, um, we came up with, I think, four or five. And um, one of the ones to start off with is like mixing turmeric and black pepper. Um, And I know turmeric is a sort of buzz ingredient at the moment and has been since last year. And um, basically, turmeric has curcumin, um, which is a powerful antioxidant, um, but actually it's not easily absorbed by the body. Mm -hmm. And then piperine, which is like a bioactive compound, I'm sounding very scientific, but um, in black pepper, boosts the absorption of that curcumin. So we thought, let's take some turmeric and black pepper and turn it into golden milk muffins. Um, And we, you you can use these with normal flour or gluten-free flour. Um, Got a few nice spices in there and a nice crackle on top. So with um, turmeric. What a crackle. Hang on, hang on. What a crackerland top. So technically, um, it's a French technique, and it's often in sweet um, desserts, where you're mixing butter and sugar and flour, so you cream that all together, and then you place that on top of your batter. So if you've got like a, let's say a cupcake, for example, you could put crackerland on top of that, or a shoe pastry is more correct than a cupcake. Um, so we played with that idea, but made a sort of slightly savory one for these muffins. So you get that sort of nice crunch and crispy top um, on top of your baked goods. So it's a, ha- I'm just cutting the chase. It's a healthy muffin. Yeah. It's a it's muffin yes. with turmeric and black pepper. It's funny, Poodle and I were just talking literally before the show about um, about superfoods and, you know, being Sikh from Indian heritage. Like we've been having turmeric since we were babies. And now, you know, it's in this kind of very, you know, as you're saying, kind of real big health food buzzword. And Whenever I speak to Indian friends, like, yeah, listen, Abby, we put turmeric on cuts in the kitchen. And, you know, whenever we get a cold, we have, you know, and I'm like, yeah, good point. But now it's much more easily available. When my dad was going through chemo, he was like looking around in Dubai in different health food stores, trying to find the best um, value turmeric tablets and things. And just goes to show you, you can eat it and absorb it as well. You've also got... For Popeye, lemon and spinach. Why? Why is um, the vitamin C in lemon so uh, beneficial when you're eating spinach, Tiffany? So basically, vitamin C will help your body to absorb the iron that's present, uh, sort of in any leafy green veg, right? Um, and we just thought, like, baby spinach is everywhere. It would, it's really easy if you can just chuck it into a, like a soup or something. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so we mix lemon, spinach, and a pasta soup. Um, all in one pot, so it's not much clearing up. Um, So basically you take some stock and you boil your pasta in that stock. And then we added juiced lemons and lemon zest just for a real lemon um, zap. And then threw in some baby spinach, some chopped dill um, and seasoning into that. And then ladle that into bowls and you've got the most delicious soup. Oh, that sounds good. Um, Could you use other kind of leafy greens or does it have to be spinach? 
Oh, absolutely. You could use um, kale, you could use chard, you know, whatever you prefer. Um, and you could also try mixing those, if you don't want to do lemon, but you want the same sort of effect, you could mix um, leafy greens with bell peppers or jalapenos. Jalapenos? Do they have vitamin C in? Sorry? Do jalapenos have vitamin C in? I'm not 100% sure. but uh, <laughs> I'm basically thinking, are my nachos when I go to the cinema tonight now a health but food? <laughs> jalapenos mix very well with leafy green veg so Yum. yes <laughs> so my mum and dad are in in town right now my dad was having a bit of a moan about his allotment the other day and he was like we've made so much kale so much has grown we had to give it to you know like a local cafe because they just couldn't get through it and he's like i don't even like the stuff so do you know what i did i got the air fryer out and i made my dad some crispy kale chips and uh Dave, big Dave, converted. So there might be a, there might be a new business opportunity in the northeast of England. You're going to be seeing uh, Dave Spearman's crispy kale chips coming uh, coming to a supermarket near you very soon indeed. Uh, Tiffany, you're with us until four o'clock this afternoon, and we want your crazy food combinations—the things that shouldn't work together but they just do. Poonam's flying the flag for hot Weetabix and cheese on toast. <laughs> We've got cinnamon and eggs, ketchup and hummus, uh, cuttlefish ink pizza. What, what, what? I need to find out more about this. What about you? I feel really boring on this. I, I, I remember when I first got together with my husband, him talking about having a chocolate milkshake and sprinkling some salt on the top of me, thinking he was absolutely out of his tree. But now you get sea salt chocolate just about everywhere. So he was ahead of the curve and I feel bad for, I feel bad for giving my hard time about it. Tell us about your best loved but somewhat strange food combinations. We'd love to hear them. And adoring, just loving the celebrity food names that you are coming up with. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio Salad, Chris Spratt from Avi, very good indeed. Uh, Pavlova Faith from, uh, Aki Paloma Faith from Veronica. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Getting you in the mood for the weekend with food. Tiffany Eslick is joining us live on the line from Spinney's talking about what's in the pages of the latest issue. Some recipe inspiration and some really creative ideas as well for combinations. So let me know the food that you've put together. You might have outraged or disgusted members of your family and friends, but you don't care because it works. Sliced crispy apple and a melted cheese from Hannah here. I feel I, I quite like a bit of bit of cheddar and an apple, but I'm do you have it on bread? I don't know. Let, let me know. I need more information. Tiffany, we're talking about this because combining some foods can really help you get the most out of their, you know, their, their nutritional punch, I guess. Um, we talked about having uh, vitamin C and spinach to bring out the iron. Uh, tomatoes and soy sauce. This sounds like a weird one. Why, why and how does it work? Yeah, so basically um, tomatoes are rich in lycopene, which is a powerful antioxidant. And soya sauce enhances lycopene's properties. So it's said to be able to help fight with um, cancer. And so what we did was we made just a really simple dish with roasted tomatoes um, in a sort of soya, honey and olive oil dressing um, with some chilies. And, you know, you can have that as a side. You could have it on its own. You could pop it on some bread. Um, Yeah. And you've got a a good health dish there. Love the sound of that. Okay, now it is Veganuary. We were talking just yesterday about a vegan festival that's coming to Expo 2020. And many people getting in touch with the, but I would miss cheese, which is exactly how I would feel um, on 4001. 
Now, there's no denying that the vegan offering, both in terms of restaurant and also in terms of products on the shelf, has absolutely exploded here in Dubai over the last couple of years. And I know, you know, a recent trip to your Maidan store, you've got whole, you know, refrigerated areas dedicated to meat alternatives and vegan products. Um, how important is it to have that representation right now? And are customers really going for it, Tiffany? Yeah, it's so important. I mean, you just, you know, the trend is worldwide, but we are seeing that. And so we're forever getting new ranges, which is really exciting, you know, to see what's coming out. Um, I was surprised at how many cheeses we actually have, because I think, yeah, so many people think, oh, my gosh, I could never be vegan because I can't give up cheese. Yeah, but actually, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but, you know, we've got things like feta and cheddar and halloumi style vegan cheese, grated mozzarella, sliced, spreadable cheeses with flavors, you know. Um, so if you're wanting to play with it, you know, there, there is the opportunity. You can experiment. You don't have to give up cheese altogether in the beginning. Mm. Um, and it's also really beneficial if, like, if someone's you know, got a lactose intolerance. Yeah, or you know, to, Yeah. And, okay, it has to come back to taste, though. Have you done a bit of a taste test and how do you think they stack up? Yeah, I have. I think some are definitely better than others. I mean, I'm a complete dairy cheese fan. So, you know, it takes a lot to convince me. Um, but there are, there's some really good ones. I really like the feta and the halloumi style um, vegan cheese. Um, I I don't know if I can ever cheat on real cheddar, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, no, there are some really good ones. And, you know, when you mix them into recipes as well, if, say, you are worried about taste, you're not going to be able to tell. Well, here's my question to you. How do we cook with them? Can we cook with them? Because surely the properties of a dairy cheese do not translate to a non-dairy. Are there any any ways of, you know, warming, cooking, working with them in a way that actually works? Absolutely. So you've just got to sort of really, I'd say, read the packs on the cheese to see what they suggest you should use it for. But I mean, we've come up with some really great recipes. So for something like Korean cheesy fries, um, using a mix of two types of so grated mozzarella and I think we used the cheddar and they melted so well. Um, and then there's so many um, additions, you know, that you can find like vegan mayos and vegan sauces that you can mix into that as well. Um, we also did the mozzarella works incredibly well. We did um, a toasty with a green chutney and mozzarella and that was just so good. Mm. Um, then the, the feta worked fine. You can whip it um, like you would normal feta um, or use it however you'd like to. Um, yeah, so pretty much. It all worked. I think the thing is to just experiment um, and not be afraid and you'll find the right brand that works for what you, you're wanting to do, you know. It does make a huge difference to, you know, individuals and families that are looking for that non-lactose option because for an awful long time it was, you know, just not easy to pop out to your nearest supermarket and actually buy something. Now there's there's choice and they taste, they, well, I haven't tasted them. I need to taste them. This is, this is going to have to be something on our... Next farmer's kitchen, maybe we'll have a little taste test. What about the meats? Because my children are dedicated carnivores. You know, lamb chops are probably my, my daughter's favourite, favourite food. Yet she loves the meat alternative burgers. The Beyond, we've had the Moving Mountains is her favourite. Um, talk to us a little bit about the plant-based meat range. I'm using meat with the, with the in, you know, my, my fingers up because, you know, it's radio and that obviously works really well. Um, what, what's in store and what's, what's going well? Yeah, so, you know, we have a huge variety. As you said, Beyond Burger, Moving Mountains, um, a range from Linda McCartney, Linda McCartney. A Miami Burger. 
Sorry. bee bites, which is Heather Mills, corn and the Virgaco, I mean, just to name a few. And there's so many things, you know, you can find replacements for fish or for chicken nuggets or for burgers or for mints. And I think even with the burger patties, if you're looking, you know, you might say that we've got a massive range. What you can do with that is you don't have to just stick to using it as a burger. You could break that up and make uh, kofta. You could make lasagna, your, your favorite bolognese sauce. Um, so it, it's just to, you know, you don't have to be stuck on just the burgers. Mm-hmm. But there's huge range. And it's interesting what they're mixing into that, you know, natural ingredients to, to make these replacements. Um, and again, I think it's just finding the right taste that's, that you're looking for, you know. What about kind of combining things because a few of the comments we had yesterday which you know like they're actually really useful for transitioning people who are meat eaters but want to be going vegan so you've got that textural you know point and obviously the taste isn't going to be meat like but you you could get away with it what about kind of layering flavors spices putting things together to make a really delicious plate absolutely you know like if you something like lentils and a little bit of um, the sort of vegan mince or uh, veggie mince work is a great way to sort of start. Um, as well, what we did in the mag is we've got a, we took moving mountains mince and we mixed with black beans to make a, our own burger patty. Um, and then we made a pica de gala sauce, some tomatoes, chilies, coriander and lime. And we sort of stacked that on a burger with nacho chips. And it was just absolutely divine and so fully, you know, so you didn't feel that you're being cheated in any way. And th- there is that texture there. So it's totally, you can have a lot of fun with it. Can I ask you a little bit about the, the kind of the testing kitchen at Spinney's because you're obviously working on, on recipes that are going to be using products on the shelves that you're ultimately going to be talking to us about, but also people like me who rip pages out and have, you know, bits of magazines splattered with different sources and things like that. Um, can you talk to us a little about about that testing process and the people that you're working with to create some of these recipes? Sure. So we have multiple testing kitchens. Um, we've got our NPD kitchen. Um, so they are going to be work. the chefs in there are going to be working on things like if you look at the latest Christmas range that we had, like the camembert wreath and our um, three bird roast. Um, so they, they work on special projects like that for, for major events, um, as well as some day to day stuff. Then we've got um, our whole deli and all the chefs that work there at the central deli and they supply all our stores. So like they're behind the hummus recipe or our lovely salads, you know, that you'd choose for lunch. Um, Then we have our studio kitchen, which we use for marketing. And so we're testing a number of things there. And then we also have our recipe developer who's got her own kitchen and she's cooking up a lot inside there for the magazine. Wow. So (laughs) there's a whole bunch of us doing this. We're surrounded by food, but you know, it's, it's super exciting because we all get to like share our opinions and, and say what we enjoy, what we've seen that might work. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting. And then what about the food photography? Because I'm a firm believer that when it's done well, it's amazing, which is obviously what you do. But when it's done badly, there is it's there's few things as off-putting as bad food photography. You work with food stylists and photographers from all over the world. Have they let you in on any of the tricks of the trade when it comes to photographing food really well? Yes, they have. You know, I think an important thing is natural light. Um, You can immediately tell if something's been shot with studio light. It just looks fake. Um, And that's that's the look that we really try to avoid with anything that we do Um, using backlight. um, There's a lot of tricks as well. I mean, one Christmas I was heat gunning a turkey to be able to get that sort of crispy (laughs) top look. Um, But that was out of sheer desperation because we had burnt one of the turkeys. Um, (laughs) 
generally everything that we shoot for the magazine we do not alter so we don't some people use things like strange oils that you shouldn't then eat the food afterwards and so because we don't believe in any waste we don't do we don't doctor our images in any way I mean, that all sounds very worthy, but it also means that you get to eat the food that you photograph. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany's with us, Tiffany Essek from Spinney's Magazine, talking about some recipe inspiration and ideas. We're talking about the latest food news as well. And love your ideas for crazy food combinations. What are some of the things you've tried that shouldn't work, but just do? We've had peanut butter and gherkin sandwiches from Delia here. That's, are you pregnant? I feel like that could be a cravings type, type of type of thing. We've had honey on pizza from Anthony. I, I'd want to say, don't knock it until you've tried it. I just can't see this working. But do you know what? Next time I order... Oh, that's not true. I'm not going to try it at all, Anthony. I'm just going to take your word for it. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. In conversation this afternoon with Tiffany Estick from Spinney's. Um, and we've got a 500 dirham voucher up for grabs for you this afternoon. It's something I wish to win every single week, but I am not allowed. If you want to win it and go into the draw, you just need to send me your food puns. Turn a celebrity into a food. We've got Dill Smith. Amazing. James Brownie. It's uh, you do it. You you're smashing it out of the park. I have to say, the examples I gave are absolutely fading into insignificance. We, I suggested uh, Danny Burrito and Kimchi Kardashian. Uh, Tiffany, the prize is five hundred dirhams to spend in store. What would you spend that money on? What's got you excited with uh, new products on the shelves or some old favourites? Um, you know, the new thing that we've just launched is our stir fry meal deal. Um, and we had a lot of fun working on the designs for this. And I have in the last three days bought that for every single meal. Um, so really? I think okay. I'll carry on doing that. Because, because it's, a, it's a combination thing. You can you can pick different elements and kind of mix and match. The one I saw on Instagram just, uh, just in the last 24 hours looked delicious. What are some of the elements that you can bring together? So basically, there's a range of stir fry veg packs um, with different mixes. And then there's two bases, so cooked rice or some egg noodles, thin and thick, um, uh, prawns, meat, chicken and tofu. And then this fantastic range of sauces. And my favorite is the firecracker sauce. It's, su- as you know, as the name suggests, it's really spicy. Um, so I mixed that with noodles and beef and the oriental veg mix. And that was just divine. Um, there's also a coconut creamy sauce to go with prawns or that I think that mixed as well. So yeah, there's endless combinations. So I feel like, yeah, I could spend 500 dirhams on at least two weeks <laughs> worth of meals. <laughs> I'd li- I really like the idea of this. I Despite loving food, I'm a, a pretty average cook, I have to say. So anything where I feel like I'm, you know, kind of putting my own stamp on things, but not necessarily doing too much creativity, goes down an absolute storm. Um, we've been talking about food combinations and lots of people getting in touch with their weird and wonderful ones. Some not that weird. Tomato soup and cheese toasties, I think, is absolutely not that strange. Um, ketchup and rice. I feel like anyone who's been a student has, has had to resort to this meal. So uh, Emma, don't worry. This is not that weird or wonderful. It's just uh, it's just something we all go through as a bit of a rite of passage. I had a holiday in Tenerife where we had um, every every night for dinner because we were sa- we were saving our money for the night out rather than the food. We had pasta, Philadelphia, and ketchup stone through stone through. I am I'm not proud. Um, but Tiffany, you, yours are far more delicious. We've been talking about um, all sorts of like tom- tomatoes and soy sauce with chilies. Uh, we've had lemon and spinach. Now, what about some uh, 
something a bit sweeter, some chocolate, anything that could make my chocolate a bit healthier even? Yeah, so I, when I was researching this feature, I read that dark chocolate and apples work really well because chocolate is rich in catechins and apples are a good source of flavonoids. And then when you put them together, they help remold the collagen to promote your skin, healthier skin. Amazing. I've always done uh, chocolate and orange, of course. Um, but yeah, it's that sounds interesting. I, I don't think I often mix chocolate and apples. So I'm, I'm going to try something over the weekend with that. I would definitely give that a try. What about one of the more healthy combinations that, uh, that kind of stuck out to me was white beans, kale, tuna and egg yolks quadruple rami, whammy why is this such a good combination so well, essentially so egg yolks and tuna are great sources of vitamin d um, and then kale and white beans are rich in calcium and so they both all these nutrients work together to strengthen your bones um, with vitamin d boosting the body's ability to absorb calcium so i mean you don't have to mix all of these together but we did we made this fantastic salad uh, in the magazine with curly kale tuna chunks from a tin, but you could use fresh tuna as well, white beans, and then we added capers and onions. And then we did something that takes a massive commitment, so you don't have to do this, but we <laughs> cured egg yolks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, basically you just, to cure these egg yolks, you separate your eggs and then you pat the yolks dry very gently, place them on a rack and dry them in the oven for two days. And then when they dry, you can finally grate that over the salad. But I mean, to be honest, just boil some eggs okay. and pop them in the salad. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you, we've got you in your test kitchen with your team of chefs trying out this kind of alchemy of, of uh, yeah. ingredients. Or you can hard boil. But I love the idea of grating an egg yolk. Yeah. That's re that sounds really fascinating. Um, Milk and eggs as well, that kind of classic vitamin D calcium combination. Um, so my my easy, easy breezy, cheesy scrambled eggs would would tick that box as well. Absolutely. Sold. Tiffany, the new magazine is on the shelves right now. The image on the cover had me immediately craving a Poke Bowl. So you've absolutely done your work there. I've also got my article in there talking about Kilimanjaro, which I'm not ashamed to admit I cried when I wrote it because I hadn't quite <laughs> appreciated the, the full thing that I'd been through. But yeah, um, thank you for the opportunity to kind of share that in there as well. Tiffany, really appreciate your time. Absolute superstar as ever. Wishing you a wonderful weekend ahead and a fantastic 2022. And we have got the season finale of Farmer's Kitchen next week. We are going to be cooking up with Chris Kyle from Bread Ahead. Pizza and donuts. So make sure you tune in to uh, the show on Monday afternoon. You'll have a chance to join us for that brand new live masterclass to ICCA next Thursday afternoon. And I have to say, really looking forward to it. The latest foodie news, of course. And yeah, donuts and pizza. There goes the 2022 diet. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. Learning now, and we are the first to learn about a brand new initiative. It's a partnership between an incredible restaurant group, um, a school, and the Emirates Marine Environment Group, all joining us live on the line to explain a little bit more about why discarded oyster shells, of all things, can help preserve the marine life and environment of turtles here in the UAE. Joined on teams now by Joey Gazal, the founder and managing partner of the main New England brasserie company. They've got branches here in Dubai. And Joey, huge congratulations on going international. There's now the outlet in Mayfair, London, which is getting absolute rave 
reviews. So thank you for making the time for us, especially on a Friday, which is traditionally a very busy time in hospitality. Um, Tell us a little bit about the role that oysters play on the main menu, because I've seen the stacks of of seafood going out to tables. Do you have, have you got any idea how many oyster shells that you were discarding on an annual basis? Yeah, I mean, we sell probably the most amount of oysters in the region. Uh, We end up with an insane number of oyster shells uh, from our three restaurants. And these oyster shells would normally end up in landfills. I mean, I would say if I had to approximate, we have over 50,000 oyster shells per month from our restaurants. Yeah. So this is, you know, I don't want to say a problem for you guys, but we've all become aware of the food waste in our own homes. And we don't even think about the scale of things like this in in restaurants. So traditionally, this is a waste product. So where did the idea come from to actually put this to good use? Yeah, I mean, two years ago, I sat with a a dear friend of mine and a co-founder in this project, Fadi Abu Ghali, and we were brainstorming a better use for these discarded oyster shells. And we were kind of inspired by similar programs in the United States. Uh, Fadi connected me to Dr. Saad Al-Amari from the Arbor School and Major Ali Al-Suwaidi at Emirates Marine Environmental Group. And the four of us uh, started to brainstorm uh, ways that we can, we can use these oyster shells. And our goal was to design a project that tackles as many environmental problems as in one fell swoop. And we created the Dubai Oyster Project. Um, And it kind of tackles three main issues. First was obviously repurposing our waste, in this case, oyster shells from our restaurants. Uh, But the second is actually there's these illegal fishing traps called gargours that are actually illegal. They've been banned by the government because they're super harmful. They act as passive traps where fish get stuck. But we're using them by filling them up with our oyster shells and putting them back in the sea. They act as kind of biological building blocks that create oyster reefs. And these oyster reefs, if you would believe it, um, turn into, they really kind of regenerate lost marine habitats and ecosystems, which become breeding grounds also for the endangered hawksbill turtle. So, I yeah, love this. Three- full, full circle. Can I ask you, you know, you're an incredibly busy, successful restaurant group. Why do you feel like giving back is so important? I mean, everybody should be thinking of ways to to give back. And, I, you know, we about five years ago, we decided to be a zero plastic company, but still it didn't feel like we were doing enough. Um, I love this program. I've been we've been working on it for, like I said, two years. Uh, it was a very complicated um, thing to do. But I think everyone has the responsibility to, to do this and involving the kids from the Arbor School. It's something that is so inspiring. I mean, seeing how excited these kids are about doing their part. I mean, I'm very inspired by these little humans. <laughs> well, we're going to speak now to Ben joining us. He's the Environment Education Advisor for the Arbor School. Um, ben, your environment really is at the forefront of the, the ethos at the Arbor School. Tell us a little bit about why the emphasis has been so key to the curriculum and some of the activities the kids have been taking part in. Yes, thank you. Well, at, at the Arbor School, we place a really great emphasis on preparing young people to uh, make sense of and contribute to a fair and just and sustainable world where humans flourish. And at the heart of this, heart of this is preparing them to care for themselves, for care for others in their community, um, and to care for the environment. And while some schools might take time from their busy curriculum to conduct an environmental project, we've actually placed sustainability at the center of our curriculum. 
Uh, we teach eco-literacy as a subject, and we use eco-literacy principles and concepts as a context for teaching all of our other subjects. Um, our eco-literacy curriculum um, is designed to engage learners at, their, at, at a level of developmental appropriateness. Uh, we begin with nurturing their curiosity. We engage them in building community. We help them find uh, purpose. And uh, ideally, we're helping them provide an outlet for their personal, personal patri- uh, passions and interests. Uh, our middle years program, in particular, focuses on the major ecosystems of the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, so wadis and wetlands, deserts and mountains, uh, and marine environments. And we use inquiry methods to teach eco-literacy, and that means that all of our learning begins with questions that are developed mm-hmm. by the teacher um, or the student. And that's important because environmental problems don't have single or simple solutions, uh, and because students' questions actually reflect not only their prior knowledge and understanding, as well as the reason why the environmental challenge is important to them. Uh, and helping kids make that personal connection to local environmental challenges helps make their learning authentic and meaningful uh, and providing those opportunities for students to contribute to finding environmental solutions in our own community that are within their scope of action. We're nurturing their sense of self-efficacy and that is the sense mm-hmm. that they can take action and that their actions make a difference. Absolutely, hugely empowering. And I think for, for many, and I think about myself, you know, at school as well, we would learn about environmental challenges and we think about, you know, climate challenges now. And it can feel a little bit abstract. It can feel like something it's something for other people to deal with in another part of the world. Whereas this is on our doorstep. You know, the Dubai Oster Project is really tackling something that is close to home and encouraging marine life that's close to home. What kind of involvement will the kids actually have in this, Ben? So the, uh, this has involved young people from our year eight group. And they, uh, of course, began this project by studying about oysters in the curriculum. They learned about oyster ecology. Uh, we briefed them on the project uh, in terms of technically how it was intended to work and the process. And we just went from there. We traveled just a, a short distance from our school to the uh, to the marine sanctuary. We met with Major Ali, who introduced EMEG and the project. Uh, we took students to the beach where we filled the, uh, the, the wire fish traps with the mm. cleans oyster shells. We carried them out into the water. We placed them within uh, a ring of, uh, of stakes that had been formerly used as a fishing trap. Um, and we just kind of, that's where we are at this point. At some point, we're going to go back and observe the site and, and actually see what, what happens next. Amazing. Uh, we predict that oysters are going to actually colonize this site and that they'll begin to perform that important filter feeding function uh, and help improve the water quality. Now, Ben, that is a school trip. I mean, when I was at school, we were going to Roman <laughs> ruins and sewage works, not going to observe and encourage Hawksbill turtles in a project that we were actually playing a part at. Ben, thank you for joining us from the Arbor School. And up next, we are going to be speaking to Dr. Zara Sajwani, the Senior Director of the Emirates Marine Environment Group, um, and Joey Gazal as well, the founder and managing partner at the Maine, who are putting those discarded oyster shells that you might be enjoying over the weekend to some very good work indeed. Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. We love talking food and we love food for a good cause too. Speaking now about the Dubai Oyster Project, it is a meeting of minds, a partnership between the Arbor School, the main New England brasserie company and the Emirates Marine Environment Group as well. Joey Gazelle joining us live on the line from Maine where he's the founder and managing partner. And speaking now to Zara Sajwani, Senior Director at EMEG. 
Zara, thank you so much for being with us today. For anyone who's not familiar with the Emirates Marine Environment Group, can you explain a little bit about what you do in the community that we might not even be aware of? Sure, Helen. Thank you for inviting us to the program. Um, as you know, the, uh, the EMEX, or Emirates Marine Environmental Group, uh, was established in 1996, and it was the very first marine environmental group in the UAE. Um, we have worked over the past three decades, we have worked on solving a range of environmental issues from around the country. Our main mission is to preserve the biodiversity of the wildlife and the marine life in the UAE. And a major part of our work is with the community, so with the kids. We provide them with training and awareness programs to let them know what we have here and how they can protect it. So how they can protect the environment from the different challenges and threats that it's facing nowadays. Now, with the team from the main, you're going to be using tens, if not hundreds of thousands discarded oyster shells, which means that we can go along to Maine and have that seafood tower and enjoy some oysters and think, yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing it for the turtles. Um, and these are going to be put into what were you know, illegal fishing traps to create an, an environment that is going to really you know, nurture this for hawksbill turtles. Where is this project going to be taking place, Doctor? So it's taking place in the waterfront, the Nikhil waterfront. So we have now dropped uh, this fishnet, the steel fishnets. We have dropped six of them, like uh, Joey explained. So they are filled with uh, the oyster shells and we have dropped six, six of them and we're monitoring them and to what, see the growth of the reefs. And what, what are your hopes for the project? Well, the Dubai Oyster Project, or we have another project, which is the Coral Reef Nursery Project. They're all projects of creating artificial reefs, but they have the potential of becoming uh, natural reefs in the future. So because, you know, um, they they build the ecosystem requirement that enables the revival and the re-establishment of the natural marine environment. Because, you know, due to global warming and the high levels of temperature, mm-hmm. most of the coral reefs, the natural coral reefs, have been going through degradation and dying. Mm-hmm. So this is a step forward uh, to reviving them, basically. And you know that uh, more than 25% of all marine life depend on coral reefs. They're their homes, basically. So they depend on them for survival, for shelter, for habitat, protection, reproduction, all of those things. Other than the benefits that they have for humanity and for the coastal protection as well, you know, the wave action and all of those things. So basically, this is a step towards conserving the ecosystem for the future generations. It is a wonderful thing to to bring these people together, these these minds together. And how does the Dubai Audra Project then align with your core mandate, your your hopes and plans for 2022 and beyond? Well, um, you know, we work on different uh, fronts. So the coral reefs in itself and reviving and reestablishing the natural ecosystem is one of them. And there is, and we are also working on other projects like the uh, planting mangrove trees and um, uh, other uh, like projects in our islands. We have some islands in Abu Dhabi and all of them I think fall would fall under the umbrella of, uh, you know, the eco, the zero CO2 emission, Mm -hmm. the mission of uh, 2050. I think this is something... Uh, 50 initiatives, yeah. 
it's something everyone's aware of, but not, not everyone's taking such action. Emissions, yes. And Joey, to to come back to some of your you know your main aims at the main, you're talking about being zero plastic oyster shells that were going into landfill, and you said about fifty thousand a month. What else have you got planned for 2022? Are we not just on the sustainability front, but we are talking food today? And I know you're uh, you've always got big plans and big ideas. What can we look forward to as diners? Oh my God, so much. We have so many things in the work. I do want to touch on just something that uh, Dr. Zahra said and Ben said. We have donated actually 250,000 oyster shells to date wow. uh, to the Arbor School students. So it's quite a large number. We have a goal of reaching a million oysters a year, but I don't think we'll be able to do it unless we get uh, other restaurants and hotels to get involved and mm-hmm. donate their oyster shells. I think that'll that'll get us to where we want to be. Um, as Ben said, each oyster shell that's regenerated in the sea can can filter about 50 gallons of water a day each. Imagine what a million oysters can do. So I really want to sort of shed light on the program, and I really want to inspire other people in the industry to get involved. And for more information or to get involved, they can visit www.dubaioysterproject.com. And we are actually uh, working on a new brand that is opening in February. Uh, yeah, it is the first brand that we are creating since we opened the main in 2015. New brand, I mean. Um, and I'm going to give you the scoop first. We are an East Coast brasserie and we are going to be doing a West Coast concept. So we are doing a concept that is inspired by the entire West Coast of the United States. So imagine kind of California, Malibu, Palm Springs, a little bit of Acapulco and Cabo, um, with a little hint of Polynesian tiki bar. Oh, we're going to be doing it in one of the great communities of Dubai. Couldn't, which, um, which one? Can you give us a, a, a north, south, east, west? Are you on the coast? She said, hopefully. <laughs> we are We are going to be doing it in JLT, actually. All right. Okay. Well, please come back and tell us more. It sounds like everyone needs a holiday right now, even if it's the JLT for a bit of tiki, uh, you know, west coast action. Joey Gazal, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone for speaking about the Dubai Oyster Project. And absolutely, we need to do our bit. Hashtag eat more oysters. Thank you so much, Joey. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Zara and Ben as well from the Arbor School. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We're getting you in the mood for the weekend today and it's a brand new weekend. Very strange to be broadcasting on a Friday afternoon. And tomorrow, Saturday, it's a, it's a whole new world. But what does it mean for the restaurant industry? Speaking to Insider Now, the founder of Gates Hospitality, Mr. Neymadad, he's the man behind numerous uh, brands and eateries. And I'm sure it all came as a bit of a shock when that news came out, Neymadad, just a few short weeks ago. How did you respond initially? Thank you, Helen. I, I really admire the decisions that have been uh, made by the government, and I fully support those. And I think this is only the beginning of alignment with the global um, economies, principally. Uh, it will take some time for people to adjust and basically onboard the whole idea. Nonetheless, I, uh, like I said earlier, I admire the uh, decision and I think it's a step in the right direction for not only our industry, but for every single industry, because principally we're gaining we a work day on the global front. I think um, I think that's, I mean, me coming from the UK, this is a, a kind of a so-called return to normal, despite the fact I've been in the UAE 15 years now. Um, and we, we, what we did see straight out the gate were a number of restaurants and groups coming out with 
offers and uh, deals and, you know, all sorts of special events and executions to, to mark that new weekend. The Friday brunch shift being the most notable. What are you planning for some of your outlets regarding that adjustment? Yeah, so the brunch will, will actually be pushed out by one day. So the weekend brunch will be brunches, I should say, will be Saturday and Sunday. I again, we we focusing depends on the brands and depends on what the brands do themselves, whether it's families or or the couples or the groups. Um, more than likely, everything will be on the weekend. The new weekend, Friday is a normal work day and then Saturday brunches will, will take centre stage followed by, um, again, a long Sunday lunch, as we call them. Oh, no. Well, you guys obviously have a, have a number of places that have great food, thinking of the your reforms and even your follies where there's that kind of roast um, culture. Are you expecting a, a more, more people coming in for a Sunday dinner? Look, I, I genuinely believe um, it will take a couple of weeks or a couple of months, if, if I may, for us all to adjust. I, I think still, for me personally, Friday is a day off. I mean, I, I've been in the Middle East now for 20 plus years, and somehow you get customised in your mind that this is a day off. So it's going to take a while for us to adjust. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, it's it's a massive um, decision that's been achieved, and I think it, it respects every every aspect of of the business, economies, cultures. Mm-hmm religion and, and it's, it's incredible uh, like I said for me personally as a business entrepreneur I think the way I see it we're gaining a, a work day on the global front and we are aligning with the international circuit of uh, of the industries Big picture do you think it could encourage more people to make the UA their home from other parts of the world? Oh look 100% honestly these two, two days uh, again the alignment with the global uh, circuit I think it will encourage a lot of people because principally Friday working from home, I think a lot of people will take that advantage. So principally now the honest is really on individuals to make sure they fit as much as they can, when they can, and, and making sure the UAE becomes a place of choice for uh, long-term residents, not only a destination for holidays and or um, transient, but a place where people will reside, live and call home like you and I do. Can we talk about 2022? Um, any trends you're predicting in terms of food, capacity, budget, cuisines even? What, what do you think we can expect here in Dubai? Yeah, look, it's, uh, again, 2022 for me, I think, is, is a recovery year. What I'm seeing, uh, Helen, is, and I'm admiring as well, is uh, people are starting to appreciate service. People are starting to appreciate quality mm-hmm. of, of interaction. I think people are longing for engagement which I think is very important. 2022, I think we'll see a lot of the non-alcoholic beverages making a huge gain. We'll see a lot of the healthy food making a massive comeback as well on the on the trends. And last but not least, I think people want that engagement factor. People want to be involved. People want to know what's going on. And, and places you know like Folly and Bistro and Reform, where really 80% of our client base is a repeater base, is what we will continue on seeing and growing and people will appreciate those venues. I'm looking forward for 2022. I think it's a massive recovery year. I think it's positive. And if the trends continue on what the year has already started in the last seven days, I think it's going to be an, an extremely positive year. I hope so. I mean, it's, we've been incredibly blessed here in the UAE that lockdown was really very short. I mean, you're speaking to us now from, from uh, Australia, where you're flying back from. We look at that part of the world who really struggled and had pandemic scene an even greater impact in terms of that dining scene and culture. Here in Dubai, lockdown was pretty short. 
And then we had, excuse the pun, a real appetite for people to get back and eat and explore and stop cooking for themselves because we are, you know, at heart, a, a dining out city. It's, it seems to be what we really love. Um, how have some of your brands been over the last couple of years? Because it has almost been two years now we've been dealing in this uh, in this pandemic situation. We, we're fortunate. We've always looked after the, the local market. Our, most of our brands have really focused on the local residents and UAE residents. So we've, we've done extremely well. Um, 2021 for us is back in line with 2019 revenues uh, on, the, on the revenue. So we, we foresee 2022 to be exceeding those. And um, earlier to your point, I think, again, being in Australia and having had so many discussions 20 years ago, a lot of us have come across to the UAE and, and various other parts of the world to help define what the industry is about and what the, the business is all about. And today, look at us in the UAE. The world is looking at the UAE saying amazing achievements. And we're, we're leading from the front on economies, on trend setting, on design, food quality. We need to uh, uh, kind of bring up the service component a little bit and then we will continue on excelling forward. It's it's massive changes and, and really uh, nothing but respect. Well, what are you personally looking forward to on the food front? Are there Have you got any travels planned for this coming year? Planning to bring any other brands over here or create anything we can look forward to? Multiple, multiple things will, will happen. <laughs> I, I think Q1 for us, Q1 for us will make certain um, certain changes to our existing brands. Um, and again, it's about rejuvenation, staying ahead of the game, making sure that we lead from the front. Uh, we have three new businesses that we are um, kind of developing as we speak that will be launched either end of Q2 or early Q3 of the year. And let's not forget, we're still in the middle of Expo where we, we're doing some amazing works and you know, um, 31 Michelin chefs across the lot of Expo has been nothing short of some absolute excitement. <laughs> so it's, it's been fun. And there's still 85 plus days of, of Expo. So look, I strongly encourage everyone to make sure they block a week out of, out of the busy calendars and, and really enjoy Expo and, and the amazing experiences, amazing events, activations that are happening. Of course... Uh, cautiously and, and, and carefully and making sure they respect all the rules and regulations in place. But it, it's amazing. Everyone that I've been telling uh, to, in Australia about the expo, everyone wants to jump on a plane as soon as they can. I think a lot of people will be travelling mm. to come and enjoy what's happening in the UAE. Let's talk Expo quickly because it is just before the weekend and I know an awful lot of plan- people are planning to go there and food has become a real, to my mind, kind of unexpected star of that show. I think many of us thought it was going to be a quick, you know, grab a sandwich before going on to the next pavilion, but the food has become a reason to visit Expo 2020 in itself, to my mind. What are some of the restaurants you're working with um, over there at the Expo site? Now, Dubai is in its classic style. It's taking Expo to the next 10 notches up. <laughs> fine dining, amazing experiences, and this is not about casual, it's, it's not a carnival. Expo itself is a cultural experience. It's the largest event in the, in the globe, and the F&B sector, I think, has gained a lot of momentum. We, we have Baron from Beirut, which, again, is it's all about charcoal, it's all about uh, wood-fired cooking. Uh, Scarpetta out of New York, uh, the National with uh, Zakarian. We have Kutir out of Chelsea, London. Again, two Michelin star um, Indian cuisine, very modern. And um, last but not least, with, with the Jubilee gastronomy and the Jubilee mixology, directly on the Wassel Square, like I said, every Tuesday we have an international talent flying in. 
doing a, a one-day service with an eight star, eight courses, degustation menu, all all coupled with degustation beverages and so forth. And then Wednesday and Sunday, local chefs out of the UAE who are showcasing what the UAE talent has, has in place. And every other day of the week, we have our own Michelin chef, uh, resident chef, who's actually cooking for um, for the locals as well as the actual travellers. Yeah, Adrift by David Myers as well on, yes. on the burger front, which which is a phenomenal success story. Um, and it, it goes to show you what's happening globally. Michelin chefs aren't about fine dining, aren't about this little degustation menu. It, it's about loving food and making sure that they excel in every cuisine they could. And it, it's it's a proven recipe now that, that David Meyer, Michelin chef, doing burgers that are absolutely amazing. On average, 1,200 burgers a day are being served. And uh, it's, it's a phenomenal success story. And I, I admire that these guys don't let the egos get in the way of saying we only do fine dining. So it's, it's good food. Life is about living and eating good food. Oh, here, here. Now, a, a purely selfish question, though. You're talking about some of the brand, and we were in conversation with Chef David yesterday. Are we hoping that some of them are going to find a permanent home in Dubai once Expo draws to a close? Stay tuned and watch that oh, space. That's all I can say. Same. <laughs> <laughs> well, fingers firmly crossed because I think uh, I think they've tested the waters and Dubai would love the likes of Baron to be opening up here full time. So fingers firmly crossed. I'll let you board your plane back to Dubai. Name. Thank you so much for joining us. Wishing you and the team and know we've been working incredibly hard over the over the festive period. That is the the, the nature of hospitality, but. Wishing you a, a very healthy, positive 2022 ahead and uh, excited to see what uh, what the, these new weekends bring. Thank you ever so much, Helen, and Happy New Year. And um, let's stay positive and vigilant.